Greetings, geeks. This is another episode of Geeking Up the Page. I'm Mike Kitchen, and what the heck? We have a mother frickin' John Scallon. Hello. And yeah, I'm here too. This is Trevor. For those keeping score, this is episode 54. Look at how much time of your, of your life you've wasted listening to us. Oh, wow. Yeah. You so know you've enjoyed every single minute of it. No, no, they haven't. No, they haven't. One thing that's fun about this podcast is this really is turning into the Cobra Kai of the Freak Pit. This is like, you know, a quarter of a century later, and now we're starting to get all the old guest stars back, like all the old favorites that were there, and we're introducing them at the exact right moment. And <laughs> we were just talking last week with John Scallon and his epic cyberpunk adventures, and just what a good time we had with those. Of course, Cyberpunk Hedgerunners, uh, one of our co-hosts, decided to recommend that, and some of us just binge like crazy all week. And now here we are. Here we are. It's like I watched in one night or something. <laughs> so reactions. Come on, guys. I you gave you heard my reaction to, to, to it. I gave him a recommendation. Was I right? Go ahead, John. You start. Oh, well, that's a loaded question. So yes, uh Cyberpunk Edge Runners uh, for Netflix. Uh, great miniseries. There's uh, what 10 episodes in it. Uh, they're short, so they're about 20 to 30 minutes each. Uh, it's well put together. I mean, it's a checklist of what Cyberpunk is from the role-playing game and CD Projekt Red's uh, 2077. Uh, you can't do wrong with it if you're looking for a visual representation of either the computer game or the role-playing game. It's there. I just don't like how it ended, unfortunately. It took a sharp dive after it jumped the shark in Episode 9, and I went, yeah, well... <laughs> It was doing well. Not as bad as Game of Thrones, mind you, but still. I, I really can't think of any series that, that really shat the bed as bad as Game of Thrones. It's, well, it's, like, no. it's like they were just like, they've already given us the money. You want a season? Uh, write something fast. Just get us the hell out of here. That's what the last season of Game of Thrones felt like. Yeah, and the worst thing is you saw online how they were talking about their Star Wars trilogy that they were making. It's like, you guys really didn't care about this <sighs> series at all. And the fact that the actors were like, yep, best one ever, you know, eye roll. Um, yeah, but Game of Thrones is a different story. What didn't you like about the ending of the Edge Runners, John? Well, that goes into spoiler territory. I'm liking, you know, I this don't know is if this a spoiler is... cast, man. Yeah, is it a spoiler right? cast? Absolutely. That's why I don't 100%. watch the show. Uh, no, seriously, the um, uh, it had to do with the uh, well, the first skip beat was a jump of time after their first big mission, and we meet them later on after uh, they recovered from that little uh, oopsie. And uh, we watch the, char the character develop with the new members of the gang going on with the story, and then it's uh, the whole suit of armor thing at the end, episode nine, ten, just no. Definitely not. It's not even cyberpunk at that point. Maybe Eclipse Phase or Transhumanism or another type of robot dystopian future, but not cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, the game has advanced hardware, sure, drones, faster than reflexes with the augmentations that you saw on the show. But at the end of the day, uh, no, not not Mobile Suit Gundam miniaturized. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, I will agree with that. The The mecha suit didn't quite fit the cyberpunk genre 100%. It did get into weird, like more Appleseed or Ghost in the Shell or like even Akira in the post-apocalyptic era. But um, I still liked it. 
the ending. I what I liked about it, and I mean, we're gonna be jumping all over the place. This is like you know, timey wimey sure. Doctor Who kind of narrative. But I did like that the ending was very dystopian and tragic. And there's something about that cyberpunk genre where it's like you're not getting out alive. Like it's tragic and it's dark. And the fact that the main character went through all this process, all this transhumanism, all this cybernetics, went through the cyberpsychosis. And in the end, all he could do is get the girl that he cared about to the moon. That's it. Like you're not getting out alive. And that's one thing that I always thought about with your cyberpunk campaigns. I remember that first character I rolled up, spent an hour rolling it up and died for this episode. It's like, I have to make a Scallon proof character. Otherwise, like, I'm not going to get out of any of these adventures. I honestly, I can't think of anyone who got out alive of one of your campaigns, John. Well, that's not the point. I mean, you guys always pick <laughs> fights above your weight limit. You know, there's always those moments where, you know, did you want to go ahead? Okay, sure, <laughs> sure. Roll that dice. Don't roll that one. And don't roll that 10. Oh, you did. Well, that's it. No, I, I mean, uh, it, well, for those who haven't, uh, don't know, uh, Cyberpunk 2010, Cyberpunk 2020, and now it's Cyberpunk Red is a role-playing game created by uh, Mike Pondsmith. And he's the uh, guy who greenlit uh, City Project Red to adapt his version of Cyberpunk into the game that was a uh, long time coming, great concept, poor start. Don't get me started on that. And now with the resurgence of Edge Runners has now brought new audience into a game that's now polished and something you can play. Uh, the concept of uh, the game I'm referring to is a dystopian future where the corporations rule the world, governments are ineffectual. And uh, in the city of Night City, uh, you're trapped with poverty and the only way you get to get up is to kill, steal, or figure out another way. Um, it's not the only way to play the game. You could play a corporate or nomad. Nomads being like the Mad Max, uh, scavengers, smugglers, corporates. Uh, well, there's an example of in the show. So it, there's lots of opportunities in the game to play and express yourself. Uh, it depends on the crew you build up with. I have some great players. We went with it. We ran with st their personal stories and they mushroomed into a, a living, evolving story that uh, we all contributed to and uh, had a lot of fun. You guys kept on coming back. I'm not sure if that's something that uh, you'd be proud of or a masochist, but still. I'm glad you did, though. I'm glad you did. We're glad we came back. Oh, yeah. yeah it was you, fun. You always made the game entertaining. And yeah, we would, we would, you would not let us get away with our missteps. No. Just like in real life, you know, you, you fuck up, you're going to pay some consequences. I went through plenty of characters paying those consequences. <laughs> um, but do I regret it? Not for a second, because it was so goddamn entertaining. Um, I, yeah, it was just, and you, you wrote some incredible campaigns, some of which we never even got to really enjoy because we fucked up right from the get go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the character that I made that was Scallon proof was the one where I was like, you know what, I'm just maxing out the authority. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, now your character, what was the uh, cop's name? John, uh, that was in charge of the Cross, yeah, Max okay. Tech, Cross, Lone Wolf, Cybopsychosis Almost, A Man with a yeah. Vengeance for his destroyed family. Uh, if I had known Watchmen existed, it would be what's his face? The guy that has uh, Roshek. It would be Roshek. Oh, yeah. Right. The badge. <laughs> but yeah, so came in with authority at 10. It's like, oh, Okay, well, I guess you're outranking everyone, and now you're all part of Black Ops because mm -hmm. all of a sudden the, you know, the force has been elevated to this new status, and 
Yeah, it was fun. And I'll never forget the time of rolling authority down in the strip with pulling in a satellite strike. It's like, all right, roll your authority. So it's already at 10. So 10 followed by like a 10. It's like, okay, you just like call out the president to do a orbital strike and everything's done. It's like, <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, what am I supposed to do at that level of the game? I mean, you have resources that go beyond Morical. I mean, no, it, it is what it is. The The problem with running these games is that once the characters develop a certain level of expertise, uh, if they come across the, the common riffraff or someone below their statue, don't bother rolling the dice. If they're they're past their day, they're, they're dead. There's there's no there's no way they can compete with the players at that point. Uh, main villains and supporting cast, sure, okay, they'll give the players a run for the money. But even then, uh, the players are the star of the show for the most part, unless the dice goes against them or they make rather really poor decisions. Trevor, uh, what did you do? Many a time, a poor decision was made. <laughs> So, yeah, no, no, uh, good times. I mean, uh, uh, the, the game offers a lot, both uh, the role-playing side with Renaissance uh, for the CD Project Reds 2077 and now the Edge Runners. Uh, I mean, the gaming store I shop at in Ottawa, Phantom 2, just got new Cyberpunk stuff and they're already half sold out. So, I mean, you know. It's a good sign. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I'd love to see this this game get a huge resurgence. Um, I know currently Dungeons and Dragons has a D and D one is uh, just around the corner for their big launch. So I'd love to see Cyberpunk get the same treatment. That's yeah, one well, thing with the D and D is that my kids want to play that so badly because of Stranger Things and you know even it appearing in the Cobra Kai. Like everybody wants a campaign, so it's like it looks like Uncle Mike might have to you know, be a dungeon master uh, at some point. The eighties. The 80s. Yeah, no, but the, they just launched Cyberpunk uh, Red just before the release of 277, bridging the gap between 2020 and 2044 into 277. So there is a new version. It is one that came out like a couple of years ago, I want to say. I don't have Wikipedia in front of me, but it's the most recent incarnation of the game, and, and it does its justice. So, Mike, what your response? Yeah. Edge Runners. Edge Runners. What do you think? Yeah. And honestly, it wasn't, I mean, I knew it was coming out, but I've, we've talked about this on the podcast before too, how all my favorite things, I get kind of triggered when they get screwed up. So I wasn't that interested in watching it just because I like Akira, I like Blade Runner, I like the cyberpunk genre so much. And I probably would have let it kind of fly under the radar until you gave the review last week. It's like, okay, if Trevor's giving a glowing review like this, then I'm going to have to watch it. And yeah, binge in two days. And incredible. It had all those elements and it stayed true to like what we would envision as the cyberpunk genre. It had the netrunners. It had, you know, the trauma squads. It had cyber psychosis. It had all the corporate elements of it. And it did feel like that riffraff coming up from the gutters and trying to make their way in this dystopian future. And again, the fact that nobody gets out alive, like the one girl who got out alive, it cost a lot. And she didn't even want him to sacrifice himself for, you know, her freedom. But so it's, there's a tragedy to it. It's, I keep thinking of the blade runner and I've mentioned that, you know, doing the top 10 where the original story with blade runner, where it's the happy ending, where they drive out into the wilderness and that's just wrong. As, like that's not cyberpunk and then when they did the director's cut with just the elevator doors closing you don't know what's going to happen it's like yes that is cyberpunk 
So this to me had that feel. And I do agree with John where it went full mecha armor. It did get a little bit Gundam. But the essence of it was there for me. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, it was amazing. So much so that I had to download the game. So I was one of those <laughs> people that, you know, gave him some sales this week. <laughs> and have you started playing the game yet? I did a couple sessions. Yeah, the first thing was a character customization. And I was like, whoops, can't do this around the kids. <laughs> so it, it was interesting. Um, I'm not deep enough into it to really have an opinion on the game, but if it's anything like the anime series and if it stays true to it, like, have you guys played the game at all? Like, have you? I played a bit. Sorry, Trevor. I haven't. I just, I honestly, I just, just don't have the time. No. Um, juggling this many kids at, at their ages, no time. Yeah, no. The 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 game does. You, you when you see more of the game, you'll see that they did a good translation for the anime, so you won't be disappointed. Uh, in fact, to some parts, it still stays a bit more grittier than what the anime offers you. So, in, in essence, it's it's pretty good. I mean, I, I I'm not that much further ahead of you because I tried playing when it was last gen console, and uh, well, yeah. So I just got an Xbox Series X, so I'm just trying it out now, and and uh, I'll let you know more in another 25 yeah. years. <laughs> Fun fact is, I did create my character to be that very first cyberpunk campaign character, you know, with the cop with the green mohawk and all that. Nice. I tried to keep it as close to that, just for nostalgia. Yeah. Now I'm going to say for the series, I have to agree with John. Up until the end of eight, I was loving it. The second they showed the the cyber skeleton, which yeah, it just looked like. A, a stripped down Gundam miniaturized. I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Uh, it just it it felt so. It's almost like they just grabbed a design from a completely different show and just like shoehorned it in. It just it didn't fit with the first eight episodes. Episode nine, when they show that that cyber, I was like, "Why that that just doesn't?" It, it's like they they grabbed a new designer and it just didn't fit with the style they had showed for the last eight episodes. I though I will say I do like um Adam Smasher coming in and you know for for all of of the power that he has in that cyber that cyber skeleton the fact that Adam Smasher just kind of brushed it off because it kind of showed you the difference between Riff Raff pulling himself up and someone who is like 100% corporate sponsored with the best of their gear and the disparity between those two um that i mean cuz i we got to experience that firsthand with john um you know we th we think we're all we're all that and then we meet someone who is all that and we're like oh oh yeah yeah we're we're, we're little kids in the playground suddenly going up against an adult and uh, i guess i should just go home now yes you should yeah yeah but we yeah, did well, we never did to be, to, to be fair though you guys always had out it just had to you know be careful about it you know and we were never careful and um, and, and dice rolls too i mean the dice rolls sometimes weren't in your favor and oh. lady luck is is fickle at that point i swear sometimes you loaded my dice because i would just be like <laughs> all right this is this is gonna do it and then bam i didn't do it i got her one. Oh crap can't go any worse than this. Oh, yes, it did get worse. So, yeah, that's that's what this show kind of reminded me of, um, is that, you know, you can rise so high 
but when you join into the arena of the real big boys, you're you're nothing. You're really, really nothing. So and the fact that right off the bat, you feel like no character is safe in this anime. Yeah. Like right off the bat with the mother dying. And and then it just goes through like all the different characters, like main getting knocked out. I was not expecting that. And that was a fun thing to see with the whole cyber psychosis and him going down. Um Kiwi do being uh basically betraying the group. Yeah, yeah. That like, was that was a crazy moment. Was it though? I mean, this is cyberpunk. You well, that's what I mean. It's like it it kept the essence of what cyberpunk's supposed to be. Like that is such a classic cyberpunk trope, right? Because you know, you can't trust anyone. And they even set that up in the story. It's like you don't trust anybody in Edge City. And the person who's saying that is like, Yeah, I'm the person that's gonna betray you. And then the fact she got double crossed and had to try and double back. Um the pillar getting killed. That was neat. Yeah. And then um his sister, what was her name? Rebecca? Yeah. Yeah. Rebecca. That was such a fun character because that reminded me of I forget the name, like Gunsmith Gats. There's the little character. So it's like a mix of her and Harlequin, but then with cyberpunk added to it. It was I thought a great character. Yeah. It was a that there's so many fun elements to that cartoon. Yeah, I, I was you know by the time I finished the 10th episode, I was like, huh, I could download the game. I could, and then I'm like, oh, I, uh, and then I'm like, mm, nope, I really don't have my window of time each day seems to get narrower and narrower, even with the kids all going back to school. It's just, it was only 30 bucks this week. I know, I know. It wasn't the cost. My kids spend more than that on Fortnite skins. Like, yeah, it's it, honestly, I said, it wasn't that holding me back. It was like, how much time could I actually devote to it? Um, and it was just like, not much. Like, I, I even bought, like, you know, a little while back, I bought the new Star Wars game, and I was like, "Oh, all set to play!" And I got to play it for about forty-five minutes, and that was about the limit of my time. And I was just like, "This sucks." <laughs> kids need yeah, the hard thing with this cyberpunk game is the just the fact that you can't play it with the kids around. Yeah. After I did a couple levels, it's like, "Oh, okay, this is a late night game or early morning game." Yeah. Yeah. So I had been real careful with like getting games on the Switch. I'm like, uh, nope, uh, nope, uh, nope. Here you go, kids, Ninja Turtles. Have fun. <laughs> so yeah, um, I as I said, I have I I enjoyed the series. Um, I believe there is um talk of a second season, but I'm not sure. Yeah, there's talk of it. Yeah. So well, it's the kind of thing too. Like this actually kind of reminds me back in the day where all the Saturday morning cartoons were just advertisements for toys and stuff. And this is a case where it actually seemed to have worked to just give a good bit of entertainment, get people all hyped. And the fact that the game itself has sold like crazy this week mm-hmm. you know, to basically be number one, well, isn't it? Like, the, or close to it. The uh, one point six update is they're calling it the the Edge Runners update because of. It actually contains elements. You're supposed to be able to meet one or two characters from the show in the game. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. So, yeah. If you uh, go to YouTube, there are different builds that you can replicate the powers that you see in the uh, the, the show. They figured it out already, so you can actually do it in game. <laughs> so if you want to re- relive the moment or be that character, you can do it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it probably didn't take him that long to figure out that stuff. No, but I'm happy that he heard it's in the game and that you can actually do it. So, you know, it, it mirrors what you can actually do uh, from the show. So it, it's pretty cool in that regards. Oh, why, why, the, why do we get more shows like this? This is the problem. I mean, instead we get like just title. Are, are we going to go there? Masters <laughs> of the Universe. That are just Although like, it's been pretty good this month between Edge Runners and Cobra Kai. I, that's the best output I've seen from Netflix in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. If they keep doing that. And the good thing is that the ratings are so you might keep your hype is so good. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it, you know, well, honestly, like hopefully it encourages them to make more things like this. And unlike a lot of the crap they've been kind of throwing at the wall and hoping it sticks. And then yeah. canceling it. <laughs> they, they, honestly, there's probably someone at Netflix that's just like, "All right, let's let's see the, the Mike Kitchen account," and he's unsubscribed. All right. So. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! It's flickering, flick. Oh, he's back. All right, we're good. And he binged, and it's canceled. Yeah, so it's, it's like let's let's change the LED light. Maybe it's the bulb that's flickering. Nope, nope, nope. It's Mike. So. Yep, I'm flickering. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> so, any final thoughts on Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, or even? The well, there is a uh, there was a Kickstart for a Blade Runner uh, role playing game. I think it was from Modifus that's uh, coming out. I think this fall or next year at this point. It's in play testing still. Um, and and from what I've seen of it, it looks like it's trying to capture the very essence of uh, the uh, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner movie. So, you know, there's that. In case you're looking for more, yeah, very cool. I'm always looking for that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, have you guys kept up with role playing at, at all? Again, time, time. Um, I do, yeah. I do board games usually about once a month with a, a group of guys, but that's that's about it. Um, if I had the time to devote to it, I could do more role playing. But a lot of it is being able to get away from the house. Um, because with with Mayor's schedule, I can't always say, "Oh yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll be there every like Thursday night sort of thing." Because there's some there's some Thursday nights where she works, you know, overnight, and some I have to be here. So yeah, and for myself, I haven't done it since Sheridan. Um, wow. Yeah, life just kind of took over. Although there is that resurgence that I was talking about with the next generation of kitchens who are getting interested in that stuff it's like wait a second you know this you've done this it's like <laughs> oh how do we do it so we were up at the cottage and my kids and my niece and nephews they're all rolling up characters for D and and i'm like oh damn this is on okay so we're gonna have to get some resources and that's when you guys mentioned what was it called the D D one or whatever it's yeah, called yeah D one is uh yeah so the fact that those resources are going to be available it's like okay guys if we're going to do this we need to book the time we need to order a pizza because that's vital and we'll try and come up with some sort of campaign so it'll be fun you know try and pass the torch on to the next generation well my daughter's in the sixth grade and uh just started sixth grade and she got really interested in over the summer about dungeons and dragons and it looks like some of her friends are, are getting interested and there's a club at the school that some of the things they do are some role-playing games so where you know it it's gonna happen yeah. what about you john have you been in stuff uh 
My last excursion with role-playing games was Shadowrun, uh, 5th edition, about almost four years ago. Campaign went a little sideways and and uh, took a break from it at that point. Uh, with the pandemic, I haven't had a chance to do much, and uh, I don't really have a good enough computer to do it online through D20. There's tons of places you can go and play online. Uh, a group of my friends uh, do it on a regular basis, and they've been trying to get me to do it, but Right now, I just don't have the spare cash to do any upgrades, so it's like, eh, you know, I'll wait the pandemic over and start picking up the books again. Yeah. I've got a list of games I want to play. There's the Dune role-playing game that came out the same time the movie did, and it's been well-received by those who play. Um, there's the Alien role-playing game that captures the first Alien movie and Aliens to the T and will give you a heart attack, probably, even though it's a pen and paper game. Uh just picked up Blades in the Dark, which is a gothic steampunk fantasy world set in a world that has no sun now through a magical curse. And uh, the dead, the ghosts haunt the streets and uh, you're basically criminals in, in, in the low parts of the city trying to work your way up. So it's cyberpunk-esque in the crime side of things, but uh, that wouldn't do it justice. And uh, yeah. yeah, I still do it in a short answer, yes. So with everyone getting into D&D, are you guys excited for the new D&D film coming out? I kind of am. I'm I'm trying to not be, but after the horrible stench that was that that last one back in like 2000, um the trailer actually made me a little I don't know, it, it warmed up my heart a little bit. I was like, "Ooh. Ooh." And then Especially when it was like initially that dragon passed, and I was like, oh, that doesn't look like flames. And then we realized, oh, that's acid. That's a black dragon. Those people are yeah. melting. And I'm like, finally, dragons other than red dragons are getting, you know, their their, their time in the sun. So, yeah. Yeah, for I... myself, I'm just kind of, you know, kind of hesitant. Um, again, sort of like what Trevor said, this kind of stuff has been ruined so many times. Um, there's some neat stuff in the trailer, but it's just kind of like, you know, are they able to, I guess, reach the high point of, say, some like Game of Thrones, you know, when, back when it was actually good? Yeah. Are you able to capture that or is it going to be like this kind of cheesy cornball take on it where it's kind of goofy? I don't know. Um, what did you think, John? I think it's going to be closer to Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm looking forward to seeing it. So, yeah, no. Uh, they'll get my 25 bucks at that time whenever it comes out. But sure, you know, uh, as a D&D player, you have to see, even if it's going to be corny, you just got to support the franchise. I mean, not that they're hurting for money, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. no, definitely going to check it out. And the fact there's a bard, you know. And Chris Hemsworth is a bard. So, I mean, a pine. really. Pine. Chris Pine. For Pine. Sorry, Pine. Thank you. Comments what actually leave me alive for them. But yeah, well, it's a Chris. I got half yeah. of his name right. That's all you need is Chris. Yeah. In this show, if you get half of it right, that's like 10% you know. even doing good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've I've I'm trying not to be crazy, like, ooh, it's gonna be the best movie ever. Um, because it won't be. But I'm I'm confident in we're not gonna get the the shit storm that was that other movie back in 2000. Um, and they have owl bears. I mean. You can't go wrong with owlbears. Really See, and that's one of the things, and actually, I think you said it right, John, that it does start feeling a little Guardians of the Galaxy where, you know, they're just 
going all out and going crazy with it. But even with Guardians of the Galaxy, at least it felt like Kirby. Like they were pulling those elements of all the crazy comic book stuff and making it real in the film. So the owl bear was one of the ones where it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, oh, and the mimic, the the the, the mimic chest. I've always. It's been the one monster that I always just appreciated to no end. And the fact that they put it in the film is just like, thanks, guys. Not even in the film, in the trailer. Yeah, in the trailer. Yeah, in the trailer. I'm like, thanks, guys. Because it was my favorite, absolute favorite trap to have characters stumble into. Especially because they were like, you know, you give them a couple of chests to get into. And then they see the nice big one. They they run over, weapons away. You know, the thief has got his tools out. He's ready to pick this. And it just, oh, yeah. It goes to hands. And that's the thing. Like, with this coming out now, if they do it right, Mm -hmm. after the Stranger Things, after kids getting into the concept of it, you know, it could be huge if it's done well. Yeah. And honestly, it's not that far away. It's like March of 23. So it's like six months away. Yeah. Even all the kids that grew up with Harry Potter who are into that sort of fantasy genre and all that, like, you know, there's potential there. Again, if it's good. Yeah. If it's good. Wow, standards. (laughs) (laughs) They still got John's 25 bucks. Yeah, and they'll have mine. Uh, So other stuff that came out this week. Uh, So, John, have you been keeping up with the MCU at all? No, in fact, I've done my best to avoid everything, including your podcast on it, because I haven't caught caught up yet. Oh, well, Jeez, he's just like the rest of the world avoiding this podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that they they pump out so much, and I like to watch them in order that they've been released. And uh, I have other priorities, so I don't have kids, unfortunately, or fortunately, yeah, depending on how you look at it. But um, uh, no, really uh, nice. See how fortunate you're. <laughs> I got one fault by 10. Um, that's it. I'm not going to have kids. Can adopt? No. Okay. No, but no, uh, the, um, uh, the whole thing with, uh, with, with them and, and it's like, they're just pumping them out. And, and that's one thing that I, I went away from Marvel with as a kid, uh, collecting the comic books is that, uh, they, they put them out so that they can make money and, and was a story good. No, because the story and artist went to different comic books and then, um, you know, you're following a new storyline with someone else doing the work that you like, but it's not the story you want to follow. And with with the stuff I've seen, spoilers are caught. They it's a hit or miss. Uh, they've done some really good stuff. They've done some really bad stuff. Some good and some bad. Uh, I, I like the fact that Netflix started the ball rolling with Daredevil and Punisher back when before uh, uh, Disney got the rights to them. That's what uh, got I me thought... to sign up to Netflix was the Daredevil series. Same uh, I just watched um, a bunch of stuff online and then it's like, wait, this is actually good. Like, I'll get an yeah. account. Then my yeah. lights started flickering. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know if Disney can do the same thing because Disney has always been family oriented, uh, barring stuff that they've thrown in as Easter eggs for the adults. But for the most part, I mean, it's been kids oriented and, and, and they pull, shy away. Now, I do know that they have other studios that they can filter it through, but the whole joke with Deadpool going to Disney is like, what can they show? What will they show? Looking forward to seeing how that can play out. Well, but... that is going to be an interesting experiment because they know that Deadpool was a cash cow and I'm sure they want to repeat that. But how will they juggle that in the whole Disney empire? So, uh, 
So yeah, so I I, I want to, uh, I would like to enjoy them, but uh, because of how they've done it and how they push them out, I, it's not my priority at the moment. Uh, same with Star Wars. Don't hate me, but Star Wars, my gosh. Oh, I've tapped horrible. out on Star Wars. Oh, I'll, I'll I'll be talking about Andor a little bit. I heard good things about it, and I want to see that. That's the one reason I would subscribe and give Disney my money would be because of that show. Don't or or not or but don't. okay. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Don't. don't Back don't. to Marvel stuff then, John. What's the last Marvel movie you watch? Like, oh, where gosh, did you tap out? It, you mentioned in, Guardians. Haven't seen two yet. Saw the first one in the theater. I saw uh, Black Panther. Uh, yeah, I, I Civil War Endgame with Thanos. I haven't seen part two of that, so uh, I've seen spoilers, and I haven't. I don't. I've, I've I've been cautious not to get the full picture, but I know. So you're saying the snap was your happy ending, and that's just where you left it? Ex- well, yes, yes. I haven't <laughs> caught any of the Spider-Man movies. I, ca- I haven't caught. Uh, 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 the uh, the witch queen. Uh, what's uh, what's her name? Uh, Red witch. Yeah, Scarlet Witch. I heard nothing but good things, and 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 the way that they formatted that show is something that grabbed my attention. But my back to my earlier complaint about how Marvel is run and Disney in general. It's like uh, they do awesome work, but it's mass produced. I will. I'll agree. It is very much mass produced, but I mean. I'm I'm a sucker for it now. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get my kids into that cog of that machine yet. I mean, they're still happy with the other stuff on Disney Plus. At some point, I will, you know. But I'm trying to get them watching Star Wars first. So, episode four. Why? Why would you torment them like that? One episode There's... four, episode five, episode six, and then yeah, turn it off after it's that. It's all over. Well, uh, no, no. First of all, it's Rogue One, then episode four, and then you're done at that point. That completes the little story right there. You don't need anything more. You don't need the half war story, love story that Empire Strikes Back was. You don't need the Vietnam uh, Ewoks from Free that had no right of winning. Come on, they're all. cannibals. You, 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 I I have to show my kids cannibals because they need to see teddy bears eating people. Have you, you ever played them? Ewok Hunt? That was one thing that was fun in the game. Um, Battlefront, there's an Ewok hunt that was released where it's at nighttime and you start off like a stormtrooper and the Ewoks come and hunt you and once you die then you become an Ewok and everyone's just hunting stormtroopers. You're just trying to get to the shuttle away from these cannibalistic Ewoks. It's amazing. And if they had a, had a little bit more of that in Return of the Jedi, I would have been so happy. Yeah. Well, that, that end feast, that those weren't animals. Yes. It's... Yep. So, so yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, like I said, uh, uh, the one thing that did tempt me as you were shaking your head vehemently, no, is Andor, because uh, I would like to see more of what they do with the character and see if they can keep the, the grit and um, uh, more realism that uh, Rogue One illustrated in, in that storyline. There is one interview that came out this week, and I don't know who the actors were, but it was a female actress was talk about her character and like, I think she was an Imperial, but oh my God, with all these like incompetent men and all these men are part of the power structure. And I just have to hang out with all these stupid men and just show that a woman can do their job better than them. Like it was that kind of vibe. I'm like, okay, I'm tapped out. I'm, I'm sick of that narrative. I've been getting that in She-Hulk. We got that in the last, what was that? I guess Boba Fett. No, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was the one. Mm-hmm. 
where it was pretty bad for that. And we're starting to see that in the Marvel movies. That was in Doctor Strange. That was in a lot like Hawkeye, the TV show. And it just keeps coming back to this. It's just, I get tired of that. I like my science fiction fantasy and Marvel superhero comics and all that to be male power fantasies because, hey, that's what I relate to. And there's this whole narrative. It's like, well, not every show is for you. It's like, I know, I get it. So if these shows aren't for me, that's fine. But I like the heroic archetypes. I like the Joseph Campbell storylines. I like the heroic male to, you know, like Edge Runners, again, perfect example. There's a self-sacrifice, but Edge Runners had that sort of like a anti-hero tragic archetype. But in the end, it was a heroic archetype. You know, you try your best. You try and get to the top. You can't get to the top. You try and save the people you love and you go down in the fight so that they can live. There's something heroic about that. I love that kind of story archetype. So when it starts getting, I guess, more, I don't know, not that archetype. Let's put it that way. Well, <laughs> well then I'm going to shift some gears here and go to Andor. Okay. Um, so they so Disney Plus released three episodes, um, I guess, to try to get the the hook bigger to catch you in the cheek to, to really in. Hey, this is Troy just stepping in here for a moment to clear up the information about Andor releasing the three episodes at the same time. So there was a delay in the actual release of the episode due to some sort of scheduling thing with episodes and whatnot. And unfortunately, Andor had an actual end date. It actually has to stop airing at a particular date. And so it doesn't like double over of another series that's starting right after it. So the only way that they could actually work this out is by releasing the three episodes at the same time so that the series can continue premiering weekly from this point on to end at the original end date that it needed to end at. So this is me ending this conversation. No, well, back to the rest of the program. And by the end of the first episode, I was ready to tap out. I really was. Um, wow. It's Oh, has it actually been released? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. First yeah, yeah, I came out um, okay, cool. Spoil away. So the the first three episodes honestly played out like an indies ninety movie. Um, where you've got your hero runs amok of, of the authorities and just has to leave town. And that's basically the first three episodes is you have this young guy runs a muck of corporate security. Things go wrong. Both of them end up like the, the, the two guys who are hassling him end up dying. And then it's all about him trying to scramble to get enough money to, to flee. You could have stripped away all the elements of star Wars, made it an indie film and people would be like, Oh yeah, I saw that in the nineties. I think it's a hundred percent what it is. And it was so, I don't want to say boring because that would elevate it. Um, oh, yeah, it was badly predictable. So then you shoehorn in the Star Wars backgrounds, the fact that people are flying in some ships. Um, and it's the thing is, is he's got something that he can sell that'll give him the money, but he doesn't want to sell it to his girl on the side, who's also the girl on the side of some of this other guy, because um, he wants more credits for it, but she can arrange the sale for it. And he just needs so he can just get off planet. And that's all. And you're just like, I don't care. I I mean, there's nothing endearing about the character that makes you want to cheer for him. You're just kind of like, oh, I have to get off planet. And I'm like, really don't care if you do or or you don't. Um, 
I'm I'm not interested in his journey because they the way they present the character is completely uncompelling. Now they have flashbacks where we see him as a young younger kid and he's he's known as a different name, and that is kind of interesting. But this is all like this whole series takes place five years before the Battle of Yavin. So about four and a half years before Rogue One, or four four years and nine months before Rogue One. He doesn't, I mean, if if he was supposed to be that skilled of an operative in Rogue One, I don't think the the time span they're giving him between this series and where it's supposed to end off in Rogue One, he's either going to go through a hell of a training regimen or magically inherit some skills because it just this character is is nothing like what we see in Rogue One um and it just so I was at the end of episode one I was like huh was there anything redeeming about episode one anything where you went wow it looks pretty nice effect yeah okay because there's some things that look pretty but for the most part it was a giant like wow I just wasted how long watching this so I thought, no, fuck it. I'll... I am so glad you watched it. So I, I will don't have push to. through okay. episode two. All right. And episode two made episode one look good. Um, That's because... something. Yeah. Uh, so there's a. You just door. need to lower your standards, Trevor. Oh, God. Just yes. keep so, lowering the standards. So his, his mom has this red droid, which kind of looks like an accordion in a way. It's a vertical accordion with these. I was wondering droids. what the heck was that. Yeah, I it's, saw it's a like a vacuum cleaner. But imagine a droid with a speech impediment, and and you have this red droid who is just. I mean, it stutters continuously, and and, and at some point, it to lie does, takes. Does more. it talk like Jar Jar Binks? If it did, it He's was a droid. Yeah, no? it, it was just oh terrible. Okay. But then we find out on the corporate side that. Uh, there's this young corporate buck who he's going to, you know, he's part of the security division of this corporation. And his, his a higher up says these two guys died. That's it. I'm off on a, va- on a, a conference. This is over and done with. And of course he disobeys. No, he's been righteously wrong. These two men were heroes and they were struck down and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. And again, you care even less for this guy. And then we go to the third episode, which Again, I was like, all right, all right, let's just, I, I've been through John Scallon campaigns. I know how to feel like I'm being beaten upon. Let's go. And uh, it, uh, I mean, a lot of it takes place in, in the factory. Now you've got the corporate unit is coming in, the security unit to try to capture him because the his, his girl on the side, her guy on the side dropped a dime on him. And there's some action in the episode, but not enough to make you go, ooh, this is interesting. It's more much say, oh, look, pretty explosions. Um, yeah. Um, and it's, again, the flashback sequence is kind of telling us a bit of his backstory that he has a sister um, that he's looking for, her, I guess. And that the, the, the mom was part of a husband-wife team that found him on this other planet. And that's that's the whole sort of thing we've got with flashbacks. But yeah, this 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 show is if this is the three episodes they were trying to get to hook people into watching what is going to be 24 episodes. Oh wow. Wow, did they stumble? Because it's it's two seasons, 12 episodes a season. How and long are the episodes? Um I think between 30 and 40 minutes. Uh, that's a lot of time. Yeah. 
it might be short and that I don't know. I'll I, I can quickly check, but it was just like it felt like a slog, a really terrible. I mean, worse than the first episode of the Lord of the Rings what stuff that came out on Amazon. And that first episode was that was akin to torture. So well, let's so, stop for a second about that. Have you watched that at all? I watched John? the first episode. And I, oh, John, did you watch it? Please, please say you did. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, the, the problem here is that I, I, it's not on my radar. The, the, the problem is that the, the media I consume, whether mm. it's literature, uh, video, games, is what I'm currently interested in. And in, in right now it's, uh, well, it is cyberpunk. Uh, it is uh, Eclipse Phase, Transhumanism, and uh, Blades in the Dark by uh, John Harper, the role-playing game. Um, so no, I haven't checked it out. I, the the tra- trailers and commercials make it look really good, but everyone, including yourselves, really aren't re- enthusiastic about it. Yeah, that that first episode, you you really you almost like need like a, a pin that you keep poking yourself in the arm to remind yourself to like blink or breathe because it's so bad. Otherwise, your 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 natural inclination is to try to swallow your own tongue and and end the pain. <sighs> Yeah. Well, so that's one thing with uh, like doing say our top 10. So every time we do a top 10, you know, I go back and rewatch the movie that we're about to talk about and you see how a lot of these movies are an hour and a half, 2 hours and the amount of stuff that gets crammed into that short amount of time. You know, mm-hmm. you make characters likable, you have these gigantic moments, you have these full character archetypes and journeys and all this kind of stuff that can happen that gets mm-hmm. you hooked. So you have something like Andor, like 24 episodes and three episodes in, nothing happens. Like you look at Star Wars, like it's probably about the same runtime. Yeah. So it's, it's nothing compared to one of the greatest movies ever. Three episodes are 42 minutes, 38 minutes and 43 minutes. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You should be yeah. able to tell a compelling story in that. Yeah, but you're writing for a different medium at that point. I mean, a, a movie usually is contained in a short well, not short, but a certain length of time that that tells a decent story you would, would hope. Uh, when yeah. you get to miniseries, you have a lot more room to play around with uh, broadening the, the the characters, developing the the, the backgrounds. Um, so, you know, instead of trying to condense everything into an hour and a half, you have twenty episodes to build yeah. that character arc. And maybe they're stumbling with Andor, and I, I, I I'm hoping to. Maybe catch it at some point because my brother has Disney and I'll go over and have supper. I'll buy them pizza. But um, the point is that uh, maybe they're building towards something, maybe uh, rather slowly. I, I would hope so. But right now, I mean, you I mean, you nailed it with with episodic shows. You have a chance to develop characters. Um, but so far, including Andor, everyone feels like they're cardboard cutouts. They're One his- thing I always liked was James Bond because... He would always be finishing off a mission before the movie would start. So opening shot, there's some crazy action sequence. There's some sort of a hook, right? So even if it's a big episodic thing, there's a way you can make that first episode compelling. Like just anything, something. Yeah, this flashback, a mission, finish off something else. I think with this one, I think where they kind of stumbled is instead of saying, hey, let's set this all five years before the uh, events in Rogue One. Set this more as the case files of Andor Cassian. And someone's kind of like reviewing the case files. And so we get like an in-depth thing of, you know, he was doing this case. And you can have it the case expand over one episode, three episodes, four episodes, two episodes. 
vary the lengths, and so that when you get to episode 24, you know, the end of it is they finish the case file, and they turn to Cassidy, and this is your new mission. We need you to go get this this person off of this planet, lead you right into the events of Rogue One. We've been talking about this forever, the idea of an episodic TV show, like with a Lando Calrissian or a Han Solo, something where it is yeah, or what almost like the old school 80s or X-Files or whatever, where every episode is a story. It's not like this long, sprawling out thing with a lot of boring stuff. Like you could tell a story in an episode, each one, like the A-Team or whatever, Knight Rider, mm-hmm. Airwolf, anything. You, know, you could do that with Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, Andor seems like a good character to do something like that with. Yeah, but but Andor, uh, the the character that's from Rogue One, the one that the show is more or less based around, he's not a likable guy. He's an anti-hero. None of the characters in Rogue One were nice people. They were all thieves, cutthroats, and assassins. And now we're now we're trying to take uh, material that is usually um, on the darker side, and now you're trying to put it on a friendlier TV network, Disney. Well, I mean, is, this is classic. Filling in a character's backstory bullshit where, you know, like Maleficent, Darth Vader, where we take a character who fills a particular niche in their film and then, we, you know, they rush to make a backstory to humanize the character and ends up weakening them in your eyes where you right. look at them as a... As They're a, trying to humanize the iconic evil. It's like, huh. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Cassian in Rogue One, he's not a nice guy. He has a definite goal that he is trying to achieve and he really doesn't care how he gets to it. He, as long as he gets it done. Um, but now they're trying to, you know, by showing us Cassian as a little boy and his sister and Cassian on the run, it's just, it's, it's going to, it's going to cheapen the character. So that if you watch this series and then watch rogue one, you're going to be like, wow, he's a pussy. You know, for this guy who's who's doing all these great things, he's what a wimp. I mean, just just that was. I mean, that to me that was the biggest problem of like where you have an iconic character like that. I don't want their backstory. I don't want you to humanize them to me. I don't want to me to feel so sympathetic to their plight that they're like, oh, oh, that poor guy. Man, he he sure was mean, but he's got reasons. I don't. It's, did you guys ever read the Garth Ennis Punisher, the Max series? The Max, yes, a version of it, I imagine. Yeah, the uh, yeah, yeah, the Max the, series. Yeah. So it was, yeah. uh, it was pretty hardcore. But I think that's um, like a classic case on how to do an antihero right. And it was that kind of thing where it, he was just a force to be reckoned with. You know, at any time, he'd be taking out whoever the villain was it was absolutely brutal and the writing was great because you'd bring these humanized characters in to kind of orbit around him to kind of create some sort of humanity but yeah, yeah frank but the castle there's no humanity was never his right yeah he was just a force to be reckoned with and that's the kind of thing like if you were doing flashbacks to him when he was a little kid and playing with his puppy it's like no nah, that that's not what we need to see like the story is his family dies in the park you know, that's his kind of happy moment that gets destroyed, and then that's it. Uh, Garth Ennis also did a bunch of cool Nick Fury uh, stories. They were in the Vietnam War, and Frank Castle shows up in those. And um, again, it's just really well done. And you see that, no, he's always been the Punisher. Like That's just 
who he is right from the start, right to the finish. He had a little happy window and it's like John Wick, you killed his puppy and now you're all dead. You wanted his car, you killed his puppy. So, yeah, so I, I so far um, for Andor, I'm just, I'm I'm not really happy with the, the direction they've taken it. Um, and if, you know, if they want to humanize the character, if that was their goal or explain to us how he got from where he is to where he is at the, the start of Rogue One, they are going, like, they need to find the accelerator. They really do. Um, because so far it feels like the car's been parked for the last like first three episodes. Like it's and as I said, it's just feels like such a cheesy nineties indie movie of the, the the classic guy has to escape town when he you know runs afoul of the the authorities. Didn't they do that already with Han Solo? Yeah, yeah, they did. Okay. And they did that in a movie. Yeah, no, that's what I was referring to. Yeah. Oh um, and, and they got they got through that whole sequence in like 20 minutes. Are there any Wookiee shower scenes? <laughs> so far, no. Yeah. Okay. Although, on a little side note, I just saw a thing on uh, on my social media. So this woman lost a bet to her husband, so she had to wear the the Chewbacca mask while giving <laughs> giving birth, and it's while giving birth while giving birth she's she's wearing and so every time she she goes to yell it in pain the the mask moves and it gives like a, a wookie roar and and all it says in the bottom is i bet my wife she lost i have regrets <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah that was uh that was an interesting little side thing so we said wookie shower that came into my head um have you watched? So, what what kind of shows do you watch, John? Anything? Uh, well, last series was uh, Edge Runners. Uh, before that was uh, Arcane, and Arcane Legends on Netflix also blew my mind. It's everything you could want for storytelling, animation. It it has very little, if no fault, in my opinion. It's uh, it, it it blew my mind. It as it draws emotions out of the viewer. Uh, you didn't need to be a fan of the the game uh, that it's based from. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, well structured villains, great heroes, awesome storytelling, awesome character development, um, awesome. Simply said, it's just simply awesome and uh, beautiful visuals. Like just that whole show was captivating to watch. It was a, my eldest daughter. Um, she was raving about it. I watched the first episode and wasn't sold on it. It, but if it's honestly, that good, it, then it picked we'll continue. Up so fast. Yeah. I, I, mean, I remember watching the first episode going, ah, I don't know if I'll continue. And then it was I turned away to do something and it like automatically started the next episode. And I was kind of watching it as I was doing something else. And then I found myself doing whatever the task was here less and less and looking at the screen more. And then gets all the way to the conclusion. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's got to be more. No, what? What? What do you mean I've done all the episodes? Yeah. That's how Arcane hit me. It was just like, it just kept getting better and better. Every episode just built on the last and just got better. All right. Well, my daughter kept telling me I should watch it. So maybe I'll continue. <laughs> yeah. I, I Unfortunately, I, YouTube sucks the life out of me at the, these days. I get stuck on top tens. Um, Daily dose of internet. <laughs> far too much. Well, 
between... That's what my son watches for the two years of homeschooling. It was basically, they learned everything from Daily Dose of Internet. It's amazing <laughs> how much they actually learned. Dad, you know there's a shrimp that can punch with sonic blasts? Like, I actually did know that, but that's yeah. impressive that you yeah, do. Yeah, mantis shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I find myself uh, using... Um the xbox now to fill up the void of role playing and, and decent things to watch or spend money to watch anyways um i have a i want to watch picky blinders that's on my radar things to watch at this point um, have you watched seven trevor i have not i've i've heard of it i it's it's on our list but for mare and i to watch but we have for me my review without spoilers the first two seasons were phenomenal like some of the best tv entertainment in my opinion after season two it kind of fell off the rails and just didn't really go anywhere but those first two seasons of peaky blinders are incredible there's even a guy named kitchen in it and i <laughs> like that <laughs> oh boy uh, and the last movie i saw was top gun maverick i still haven't seen that uh but... you should make the time right. you should make the time uh, i yeah, i all the reviews in... were great I went in with little expectations, and it is a better movie. It's the same movie, but better than the first. All so, right. yeah. yeah. So that's good yeah. when the second one's better than a classic. Yeah. Well, he's making about a billion dollars at the box office at this point. It's been in the movie theaters nonstop, top 10 for how many weeks? Uh, it's done something right, I think. Right. Yeah. I took the kids on the Top Gun ride at Canada's Wonderland. <laughs> I can't count how many times I was on that stupid ride. Uh, Those were good days as well. Uh, and are there any movies that you guys are looking forward to seeing? Anything coming up? Uh, I am looking forward to Black Adam, just because I've always liked Black Adam character. So that's one of mine. Yeah, for myself, I don't think there's anything I'm really interested in. The one I'm keeping an eye on is the Ant-Man Wasp Quantumania, because I am 100% tapped out on disney marvel at this point and i think that's the one film that might be able to get my attention and get me back in so i'm kind of skeptically curious to see how that one turns out admit it mike it's hocus pocus too that's the one you're waiting for <laughs> are we all waiting for that one though of course <laughs> yes <laughs> you almost said it with a straight face the laughter at the end gave it away. Uh, I have to give a you know a sign for the audio listeners. <laughs> um, let's see. Now I've been watching with my wife. Uh, Welcome to Wrexham. You guys know anything about this? I, I know nope. I've talked about it before. So um, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, uh, the guy from uh, uh, Mac from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they bought a Welsh football club. Um, and there's a documentary that was being shot at the same time that basically chronicles them purchasing the club, purchasing the field, and all the fun that in, that is involved with owning a soccer club. That so in in the UK uh, they have uh, divisions to their league, like like levels, and like the highest level they have like Manchester United and and those sorts of guys. And as you go down, the the top four get money from the league to play pay the players and stuff like that. So it makes it a self-sustaining entity. Wrexham is currently in the fifth tier. So they get no, no league money. Um, it's all on the owners. In this case, 
Brian Reynolds, Rob McElhinney. And so they're spending about 1.3 million a year in salaries, um, plus more money in like field upkeep and all this other stuff. And their goal is to eventually get this team higher up the pyramid till it's self-sustaining. Uh, they both enjoy, you know, soccer or football as they call it. Um, but what's more interesting is this documentary because they spend very little time with, with Rob and Ryan and more time with the people of, of Wrexham because this stadium is the oldest stadium in use in the UK and in, in the world, like soccer stadium. Um, and you know, this, this town, they were a steel town for a while. And this, you know, this soccer club is basically the heart of the city. So it's so far, it's been really, a really interesting documentary to watch. And it's on FX, which I don't know. It's an actual documentary. Yes. Actual documentary. This is not fake. It's not, they are actually putting up money, like real money for this. And you get to go some, like there's some behind the scenes, like in their homes. And then they finally travel to the UK and watch like an away game and a home game. And they, they tour through the town and stuff like that. And it's a lot of the, the people in the town at first were like, you know, this is this some big publicity stunt. Um, you know, they actually invest in doing this and you know, they really are invested in doing this. They're like, all right. Well, if they're spending this much money, then our club should be like vaulted to the, you know, right up, right up the chain, right to the first. And it's like um, money doesn't buy wins. So, yeah, it's 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 so far. It's, it's really interesting to watch. So, yeah, I was picturing it as a spinal tap or the office or something. Yeah, I mean, initially I thought that's what it was going to be. But no, this is actually it's the real deal. It's legit. So. Interesting. Yeah. And like each week they release like one or two episodes uh i think this week they're releasing two and then next week october 5th is like four episodes at once and then they finish it off on october 12th so yeah if you have a chance and you have fx watch it and, and for myself i'm still grinding through alone still uh, getting towards the end of season eight almost done <laughs> Yeah, the way we kind of took a, a, a sidestep from it um, as other stuff. I mean, back to school was killer. Um, I mean, this past week was was two days of like, go meet the teacher sort of thing. And that was a lot. That was a real lot. So. And what is it with these kids in the holidays? I mean, it's like like Monday they have off. And I mean, I we, we got the, the, the holiday schedule for the kids. Like, oh, they have this day off and this day. There's one week where they like, they have Monday off or Monday's a half day. Tuesday's off, Wednesday they go, Thursday's off, and Friday's a half day. I'm like, when do these kids go to school? I mean, how the hell do you expect them to learn if they're like half days and days off all in one week? Tell you, it's, it's you know, in, in the days of, of us where it was like, you know, five miles uphill in the snow both ways. Now they're just coddled. So I'm still going to have to mention She-Hulk, attorney at law. I know Mike. Fine pretty much checked out okay I'll, I'll do my little thing have you watched any of that john you haven't right no I, no. <laughs> I, I haven't checked on that one uh yeah. and after your raving review last week on and i'll probably skip it yeah this episode this week is the mm -hmm. first one i couldn't even watch um i just skipped through i went looking for highlights but the narrative in it got me so cringed out and was so against everything that i was interested in that I just yeah just skipped 
10 minutes at a time. It's like, eh, no, not interesting, not interesting. Okay, I'm done. So that's my review of She-Hulk latest episode. <laughs> what do you have to say, Trevor? Uh, so this one's all about uh, her best friend. Well, not her best friend, but an old friend from school's wedding. Um, she wants. She goes to She-Hulk and it turns out they don't want her to be there, She-Hulk. Um, Titania shows up because she's dating one of the groomsmen. Um, there's a fight. Um, that's like the A, a role, which was the A storyline was kind of boring to me. The B storyline was funnier because you have uh, Mr. Immortal who uh, keeps getting married and then to end the marriage, he fakes his own death and then moves on and marries someone else. And uh, there's a video of him faking his death and all his ex-wives kind of see this. So they all put together a, a, a lawsuit against him. And so he hires the firm to represent him. And they were like, I mean, he, he gets like the, there's the, the female lawyer and uh, a She-Hulk's assistant who are on this case. And they basically like, all right, let's get, uh, let's get these ex-wives the best possible deal they can from Mr. Immortal. And it's, it was good. But the thing is, is it was a vehicle to set up the, the webpage uh, Intelligentsia, which is from the comic books. Um, and it was a site that in the comic book was the site the villains used to um, kind of report on heroes and, and you know, say, oh, well, th- you dealing with this hero? Well, here's some of their known weaknesses when I fought them. So they find out about this site and there's like a bunch of death threats. And we find out that a bunch of scientists are spying on She-Hulk and they want to get a blood sample because uh, Hulk in the first episode carefully destroyed all the blood samples he had of her because as he put it, you know, her blood is a, is a weapon, a potential weapon. So that was the episode. Uh, there was no post-credit sequence, but there was. A, so at the end of every sequence, they do like the the, the law, like the the, the uh, courtroom drawings. Um, and they'll usually throw in a couple that are very episode specific. And this one was her brother, who's a DJ, who's DJing the wedding, uh, ends up making out with the bride. That was about it. Yeah, the one thing about this episode was you know that the writing's bad and coming from that sort of feminist perspective when you identify with Mr. Immortal, when he was sitting in the room with the girls yapping and talking and talking and talking and talking, it's like, I'm just going to throw myself out the window. That's how I felt this whole episode. (laughs) Like, that was me. If I was in that episode, I would be Mr. Immortal. I'd be jumping out that window just to get away from all this mess. That's my review. He didn't get away. He didn't get away. So, yeah, um, this was honestly, this felt like a, a giant filler episode. Um, and they have three episodes left. So I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm of the opinion, if you get the, the opportunity to to do a char- like any character, you shouldn't have filler episodes. If they say, hey, we're, we're going to give you nine episodes, and you're like, we only need six, then have them shorten it to six. Use the budget of the other three they're going to do and pump it into the six. Yeah, I don't agree just with be that. like, filler episodes. Ah, uh, we can do those. So, yeah. Yeah, unless there's a really great reason for it. Like We were talking about that with storytelling. You have your peaks and valleys, and if you need a valley episode because things are about to get crazy, well, you, you, know, that's you break those fair. in, but a, yes. to me, a filler episode is just a flat episode. There's no, right. there's no peak, there's no valley to it. So Right, you take it out of the equation and nothing changes, nothing matters. Yeah. Pretty much like any episode of The Simpsons. How they are at the start of the episode to how they are at the end of the episode. 
nothing changed. And that's honestly more evident in the more recent episodes of Simpsons, uh, which is one of the reasons why I've pretty much stopped watching Simpsons because it just became the same. It was the, the exact same formula. Simpsons are at like state A at the start of the episode. Crazy shit happens. They are back to state A by the end of the episode so that they can interchangeably put those episodes in any order and nothing's changed. The only big things were like Maude Flanders dying. So, yeah. Spoilers. Sad face. Oh, no. I spoiled that. By the way, folks, Maude Flanders dies. Um, Yeah. So, here's a question. Avatar, Way of Water. Who's interested? No. <laughs> definitely not. Oh, my God. I was disappointed with the first one. And now, how many years have passed since the first one? No. <sighs> definitely not. See, 2009. What, 12 years? It'll be 13 years? 12, 12, no, it'll be, yeah, 13 years. That's a great gap. And then they were also announcing the, the schedule of the upcoming ones. The last one's going to come out in 2028. Who's planning all the way to 2028 right now? Who's like, ooh, got to check that off my calendar in 2028. See Avatar 5. Yeah, I don't have a 2028 calendar. Yeah, me either. And the first Avatar, I never saw that one in theaters. I was always intrigued with the people who went and saw it and got infatuated with it. You know, the people who wanted to like live in that 3D Avatar universe. And I you know I was not that interested, but then I finally did see the movie on TV. Not in 3D, not the whole 3D experience. And I thought, okay, it's a thing. You know, it's not like blue Pocahontas kind of yeah. going I, on. But I saw it in theaters in 3D, and it was, I mean, it was the first film in 3D that worked in 3D that wasn't an animated film. Because, I I mean, working in IMAX, I had done a couple things in 3D. And it's, it's not like doing stereoscopic, like rendering was a nightmare. Because um, you're constantly having to adjust depth of field like on the fly. It was just, I, I, I had no fun doing that. So when I saw Avatar in 3D and it worked, I was like, oh, this is, and, you know, it was the first 3D movie I watched without giving me a headache. And then, I, you know, a couple of years later, I watched Avatar on TV and I'm like, yeah, without the 3D, this movie has nothing. You're like, like nothing. Um, and now that they're like, ooh, it's the way of water. I'm like, ooh, I don't give a shit. Um, I was looking at the trailer and there's nice effects. Oh like, yeah, I was looking I mean, at like beautiful. The water effects look beautiful. And, like I'm sure there's some screensaver images in there somewhere. Yeah, but I'm I'm. How many times I won't spend two hundred dollars to take the family. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, how many times can you can you can you watch Pocahontas? So yeah, I'd rather see the 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 upcoming Knives Out movie, which comes. Yeah, that looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think when you give Rian Johnson... Isn't he the dude who ruined Star Wars and Luke Skywalker? Yes. You I will never story, give him money, ever. If, if you give him a story... I will sneak that, into it. I would have to buy a ticket for another movie and then sneak into that one. <laughs> He's not getting anything from me after he made Luke Skywalker and Michael Walrus. Damn him. I look at it as you give him a movie that he writes that is not tied to something else. Star Wars. He does a great job. Okay. Like Knives Out was a great movie. So my I'm, family said they liked it. All the ones who saw it said it was good. I yeah, just said no. It is. And so when they announced uh, number two, it's uh, what's it called? Uh, Knives Eve. Onion? Oh. No. Yeah, something onion. Something onion. Uh, clear onion. Glass onion. Glass onion. Um, 
Knives Out Mystery. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to go see it because the, the first one was so much fun to watch. So and a lot of that was the strength of the cast. And this one has uh, Ed Norton. Uh, Madeline Stein, Daniel Craig, Jessica Henwick, Ethan Hawke, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson. He's reading a few people. He's reading. Yeah, I, yeah, I am. I am. I'm looking at the same list that you're looking at that I just said it first. No, I'm trying to do it from my head. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I, as you look off camera. Sorry, Trevor, well, when I just look off camera, job. Yeah, I could been replaced. This is my my list of stuff to talk about, but I don't have like that much detail. I just had put Knives Out movie, but I hadn't put the title. He was relying on you to cover for him there, John. Yes, and, and you, you did, did. wonderfully, thankfully, because normally we rely on Troy afterwards to type in all the names. Um, so yeah. So yeah, that's that's the movie I'm looking forward to for Christmas is the the Knives Out too. Avatar: Way of the Water, not so much, or at all. I'm still bitter about Luke Skywalker milking a walrus. What you didn't I, like that? You gotta get the solid, somewhere. It, it was solid writing. It was something different. I mean, it goes in the face of everything Star Wars meant, but and it was contrary to what the fans wanted, but it was different. It was avant garde. It was, oh, it was different. It was different. Yeah. Yeah, you could say definitely say it was different. Well, yeah. I mean, after you look at the, the first remake, and it was almost a carbon copy of Star Wars updated for the 21st century, and uh, at least he didn't copy Empire Strikes Back. And then the third movie, uh, I can't remember the third movie. It's forgettable. I didn't even so. watch it. Yeah. But we needed to know where Blue Milk came from, and now we know. We did. We certainly did. I don't think anybody Walrus. needs to know that. Well, they could have handled that in Andor. <laughs> when you serve oh. someone blue milk, you're like, hmm, where does this milk come from? Now we know. Giants have the battle. Yeah. Exactly. Giant walruses that don't mind if you. I mean, only thing worse than, than Luke, you know, milking the walrus into the cup and drinking it would have him just sucking on the nipple directly. And then you still got to be PG 13. <laughs> Just you know, squeezing and shooting it into his mouth. Yeah, I mean it wasn't far from that, but n yeah, but yeah. things happen. Maybe we'll get that in Andor. <sighs> I don't know if we will. I don't know. I don't want it. Oh my god. Um, so other stuff, Star Wars is we have the Bad Batch season. I don't give a fuck coming up. Um, oh yeah, I've I've checked out of that one. I th that first season yeah. was just so goddamn terrible. Yeah, I watched the first episode, skipped through it, and done. Yeah, yeah, I wish I had. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you feel that the writing is hamstrung by the the fact that it's in the Star Wars universe and you have to keep it to the fans' expectations? No, I think what's hamstringing the writing is that they're not they're not being influenced by the stuff that influenced Lucas to write that stuff. So instead of writing the bad batch as say, you know, like uh the Magnificent 7 sort of setup or something like that, they're just like, "Oh, it's a squad of of troopers in the Star Wars universe." Mm. So I'll play within that narrow confines of the right. Star it's a Star Wars spin-off. It's not being influenced by the source material that Star Wars was influenced by. So I think that's where it's coming from for me is is without that influence, it just feels cheap and hollow. Like 
I mean, if you're going to write like, you know, the, the squad of, of, you know, former army who are now do-gooders, I mean, the, the A team rings to mind. Um, but just, it's even lacking that. Like, it's just, yeah. It's like they're, they decided, okay, we're going to make a Star Wars show and we're going to stay in this tiny little sandbox that Star Wars gave us and not look at anything outside that to influence. And so they're, they're bringing nothing new to the table. But couldn't that be part of the restrictions? Seems how they have to keep it in canon. And if you have other projects furthering other storylines, you really can't introduce a wild card to to make something interesting, as it will just throw everything else out the window. Well, I think you can. Floyd as long did that as... with the Clone Wars. He yeah. um, he did that with the Clone Wars. He you know just he would wide range and occasionally yeah he would have to pull things in. But he was able to expand beyond just the, the 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 general confines of the Star Wars universe while making Clone Wars, and this is kind of like an offshoot of that. But then it's almost like they're like, okay, so we got to get within the confines of what you had there. You can't go, you can't expand past it. Hey, John, did you happen to see the Star Wars Visions that anime series? No, no. Again, Disney Plus is not uh, something I subscribe to. I don't want to give Uncle uh, Walt any of my money if I can help it. Right. Walt doesn't get the money anymore. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Um, with Star Wars Visions, that was one where they did go very broad strokes, like all over the place. There's a lot of hit and miss. But you could see how if you take these just absolutely crazy concepts and say if you were to turn it into a live action you can do that like you can tell almost any sort of story and just put a lightsaber and a stormtrooper in there with a spaceship and you can kind of make it star wars it's like um i mean essentially that's what lucas did he took all these crazy ideas and just kind of smashed them into this genre because he couldn't get flash gordon so he made his own and just took all the stuff that he thought was cool kit bashed it together and then made star wars but i think you could do that like you could do the godfather which is what i thought boba fett would be i thought boba fett would be the godfather mixed with john wick <laughs> said we got power ranger spy kids <laughs> i don't know why that happened but like you could do that you could do like some sort of crazy clint eastwood western and make that work just like, no matter what you kind of think of like you could do a spy movie like we were talking about with the idea of a Lando Calrissian or Han Solo like you can tell just all these like crime capers and like Trevor mentioned an A-team show that would be awesome like Bad Batch as an A-team where it's an episodic thing where they're going on these adventures helping out people I think as long as you dress them in the right way do the white pans have spaceships and stormtroopers like in my opinion you could tell almost any story in the Star Wars universe I mean, we even did that with a Star Wars role-playing game back when we were doing that kind of stuff in college. Like, all sorts of crazy ideas. That's my opinion. No, you're not wrong. I mean, given free reign and, and, and the freedom to explore, I think you could do a lot with the Star Wars universe. I just think they haven't. I agree. Yeah, that's the problem is, is you know, you've got Disney money behind you. What's I think what's kind of holding people back is that is well we got to make something to make you know as you, Uncle Walt happy, um, but the problem is is they're not you know they're not putting on their big boy pants and trying out something that's that may be different. 
Yeah. And I think it's a copy of a copy. It's like that simulacrum. It's this idea that you're being hired by this corporation to do a spinoff of this movie that's super popular and famous. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do my version of that. But you're photocopying the original. You're not taking deeper ideas, deeper stories, the things that it was based on and creating something new. You're just making like a bad photocopy. Like when they take the the animated movies and make live action versions of them, which are almost shot for shot remakes. Yeah. It's safe money. That's yeah. And again, that's the problem is it's safe money, but safe money, but it's not big money. Like Trevor had the spreadsheet last podcast where you see how much money you can make doing an original that's really well done. And, you know, basically the corporate hands are off you. You just spend not a lot of money to make a crazy amount of money. Yeah. Or you spend a crazy amount of money to get that safe money, but it's just a little sliver compared to what the actual masterpiece is made. But are you looking for a masterpiece? I mean, uh, (laughs) that's the point I made is that the guys who are producing this stuff, they're not. They're looking for the paycheck right now. The directors, they're not. It's like, do I have a job? Yes, I'm getting paid. I don't give a crap. Well, so Abrams has has gone on record saying that when he did The Force Awakens, he was trying to remake A New Hope because he wanted enough familiarity with it to make the existing fans happy and hopefully drag in some new fans. And he even regretted that he went too far into, in essence, remaking A New Hope. And unfortunately, then you had them, well, let's go Rian Johnson route and take a hard right turn. No one's happy with that. And it kind of tanked Solo as well. So when he got the, whatever the hell the last one's called, um, the, the giant money grab, um, he spent two thirds. Yeah. Yeah. The two thirds of the film. Star Wars kinda, nine, the Star Wars <laughs> money grab. Trying to undo everything that happened in episode eight. So th- there wasn't really any time to try to tell any kind of story, original or not, in the last movie. So it's unfortunately that's the the world we live in. Um, and but it doesn't have to be Trevor. I know no other to live in. So yeah, it's 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 part of the conundrum of you know people who who'd rather play it safe and make a paycheck than take that risk and perhaps make something great. So. Yeah. That's my five cents. Somewhere around here. So we've gone through She-Hulk and or uh, Cyberpunk. All right. Lord of the Rings, we touched that as well. Oh, yes, yes, which I will not touch again. Um, oh, first, <laughs> honestly, that first episode... I remember looking at the, the 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 little counter on the bottom, and there was like 15 minutes left. I'm like, "Oh my god, how much more prep can they try to sling at me in 15 minutes?" Like, I just thinking, like, I've been what? It feels like I've been watching this for four and a half hours. And then look at the the bar is like, oh, 30 minutes. There's got to be something wrong here. Like, like have I been playing it on slow or something? Yeah. And unfortunately, the Amazon video player does not give you the option of like times two speed, which sometimes is how I get through some films and some some shows. I'm glad you watched it, so I don't. Yes, well, 
I'm not glad because I don't get that time back. That's time I could spend picking lint out of my navel or performing dental surgery on myself. Constructive. Ouch. Ouch. Honestly, honestly, the first episode of The Lord of the Rings, um, dental surgery, self-performed, sounds like a much better idea. It'll hurt, but at the end, at least you're going to have a better looking teeth, like a, like a better looking tooth and you know, something to show for it. Yeah. Hey, yeah. It's almost like that that Wheel of Time show. That again, not so good. Not so good. Yep, that's another one I skipped. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of thanks, Trevor. There you go. It was a lot of swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Did you guys get a chance to ever watch the um the Expanse? Yes, yes, I have. I started watching it. I enjoyed it, but we didn't continue with it. I don't know you. I don't know you, Michael. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, that's how much I enjoyed that show. The one thing I like from the few episodes I watched is just the idea how the humans evolved on the different planets and how gravity affected them and all that kind of stuff. Again, only a few episodes in. Um, Yeah, life got busy, but I did enjoy what I watched. What I liked about the expanse was it wasn't the ships, it wasn't the acting, it's the storytelling. Just they wrote the shit out of that show. Um, and it was just you'd watch each episode, each season, and you're just like, where do they come up with some of this stuff? Because it's just it it's plausible, it works so well. And you just get invested into it very quickly invested into it. And I remember at the end of each season, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Don't end there. Don't, don't end there. Give me another episode. How long do I have to wait for the next episode? <clears throat> That's how it felt at the end of every season. So, yeah. How about you, John? Loved it. Loved it. Uh, wish I'd read more of the books so I could know what was happening in the final season, but uh, I there's rumors that they're going to pick it up again. So fingers crossed, but no, uh, acting was amazing. Storytelling phenomenal. It helps when you have the writers actually help write the script. So, I mean, uh, animation was good. The, uh, the physics for space was well done. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, an excellent show, excellent show. Thomas Jane as the investigator for seasons one and two, by the second episode of season one, his acting alone had me hooked. It was just so great. And the way that he interacted with other people. Yeah. So I was like at the end of season two, when it was like his time up as a main character was up. I was like, Oh, but by then I was already invested with some of the other characters and it didn't matter. So, he had so many great characters. So, yeah, if you, ha- I, this is a, a huge recommendation. If you haven't seen the expanse, Carve out the time, get it done. Pitter patter. All right, I'll do that. Good. There's your homework for for next week. Yeah, (laughs) six seasons. Yeah, you can have it done by next week. (laughs) Just, just call in sick. Just say I got COVID. (laughs) So yeah, that was that was a a series that I 
looked forward to um, so much. So, yeah. And again, incredible writing, incredible storytelling. You know, why is this lacking from so many other shows? Now, and none of okay. Did you watch Quantum Leap? The not. new series? The new series. The new series? No. No, I haven't. Yeah. You, Trevor? Oh, yeah. I watched it because, you know. So we don't have to? Yeah. So we talked about it. I, I mean, I gave my input on one of the last podcasts. Yeah. How it just didn't look like the vibe was right. It was this kind of weird, dark, gritty um, sort of vibe with the trailer that they had for it and yeah. whereas the old one was light you know that 80s vibe that cobra kai vibe um <laughs> that's what i would have liked to see but all right so i'm gonna got? i'm gonna read out what i had typed out in messenger um the night of so my first impression uh the story was a little sparse actually i'm gonna revise that it was a lot of sparse in many places um they were trying very heavily to tie into the original original series, but by doing that, they would do it by tell not show. They were like, "Oh, look, here's a picture of of, of Sam Beckett. Oh, here's a picture of the Adam." Like that was as heavy as they went. Um, now the teaser they showed for upcoming in the season had some some cool ideas. Like, so the original Quantum Leap, Sam could not leap outside of his his own lifespan. Um, so he couldn't leap back to further than when he was born. This one, for some reason, he's good. The, the guy's going to be able to, to leap like to the old West, like well past his own birth date. So maybe a little bit, a little bit more interesting um, for the FX on the show. Holy shit. That was terrible. There was a sequence <laughs> where the two characters are in a car driving. The characters are kind of heavily shadowed. The background was like, bright fucking la day it was so obvious they were on a green screen like so incredibly obvious it was like how much money did nbc put into the show and and the last minute like, oh we need a driving scene um let's just grab some stock footage and slap it behind them it was that bad it really was that bad like you you could see the feathering around them where the you know when they were doing the composite it just wasn't done right and then the you know the layers are contrasting. Um, the acting was very much one dimensional on most of the characters. Um, and the problem was, so in the original show, we saw nothing of present day. We were with with Sam the entire goddamn time. Hey, this is Troy jumping in one more time uh, just to. Uh... Uh, double up on what Trevor has uh, just said about uh, not actually following anyone other than Sam throughout Quantum Leap. Well, we do have and not being actually in the modern day as well. Now, other than the opening episode where we actually start off seeing Al in the modern day as he's witnessing the Quantum Leap uh, project uh, actually booting up and all that, which they also do in the new series. So that aside, we go to uh, season two, episode one is Honeymoon Express, where... Uh, Al has to deal in the modern day with the committee that is actually planning on shutting down the Quantum Leap program. Uh, something that Sam does on his leap actually changes the outcome of people that are on the actual committee and he ends up saving the Quantum Leap program. And then we go on to season four, episode one, 
the leap back where Al and Sam exchange places, where Al is now the leaper and Sam is now in the imaging chamber. And uh, while he, once he figures out how to unlock the imaging chamber after it was hit by a lightning bolt at the exact time that, the, that Sam was actually leaping, um, he is now free to explore the modern day. Now again, like we like Trevor had said, that we only follow Sam. And yes, we do follow Sam, but we follow Sam into the modern day. We then jump to Season 5, Episode 2, Lee Harvey Oswald Part 2, where we actually are in the imaging chamber with Al and the persona of Lee Harvey Oswald as Al is interrogating him to find out if he has someone helping him with his, I don't know how to put it, his assignment, his plan, his scheme to kill the president. We then jump to the 14th episode of Season 5, where it's Dr. Ruth. And in it, well, Sam is in the body of Dr. Ruth. We actually are in the imaging chamber with Al as he gets marital advice from Dr. Ruth. And one of the cool things about this is uh, the end of the episode actually ends with the original uh, broadcast ends with Dr. Ruth in the imaging chamber doing the leap. So we actually see who Sam leaps into uh, as a preview of the next episode. And as it turns out, Sam leaps into a vampire. So other than that, um, there are a couple of examples of talking about the modern day. But yes, for the most part, we are following Sam. But there's four examples of us coming into the modern day part of the storyline. Now, back to your already playing program. Al would pop up in the loudest possible outfits. He would complain that, that Gushy was screwing something up and he'd smash the communicator with Ziggy and would make all the crazy little noises. He was trying to get information. We spend so much time in the in the present day that it feels like it's it's very forced. Like, oh, we're trying to show you all the stuff to show that we're part of this Project Quantum Leap bullshit. And you didn't spend enough time with the, the, the Quantum Leaper to, to gain any sort of rapport with them. But again, all the characters are like one-note, one-dimensional characters. Like, half the time you're like... This person's talking. I don't care what they're saying because it's it's nothing important. And it wasn't anything important. Um, now, the casting is very diverse. It honestly doesn't affect the, the, the characters in any way. It doesn't matter if someone's gender swapped or racially swapped or whatever. It, it, it wasn't a big thing. Are they supposed to be the same characters? Or are they no, no. Characters? These are all they're all new characters. Um, the only kind of tie they have into is they they hint that the 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 I can't think of his name the, the main character um like they they were having software issues they couldn't make the the Ziggy work and suddenly he the night of he goes like he has a big engagement party or whatnot and there so he goes to the quantum leap um facility injects a shit ton of new code into Ziggy that suddenly makes it work and he leaps himself. And it turns out his wife was supposed to be the leaper. He was supposed to be the the person who was like the go-between, like the Al character. So he's under-trained, but he's got the Swiss cheese memory. Um, and we find out that the person that he was working with is possibly Al's daughter from the original series. She somehow gave him the programming he needed. But if I were to rate this on a scale of 1 to 10, can I do negatives? That's, that's how bad it was it was wow. it was 
it was just a shit show, an hour long shit show of them trying to say, hey, look at this. We're part of the original series, but we're not, but we are. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of stuff I had to explain for people who had never seen the original series. But at the same time, they were trying to lean so heavily into the original series. You may as well just had broadcast the first episode of the original series and then broadcast this right after, and it would have worked better. Um, it's really tragic that they couldn't get Scott Bakula in to do it. But yeah. Um, so I said I would probably watch one or two more episodes to see if maybe this is just like, you know, first episode jitters. Um, I'd hope so if this show is to go, supposed to go anywhere. Um, but yeah, this was pretty fucking bad. Well, yeah. One thing you mentioned there made me remember something that I forgot to say about Cobra Kai. And actually, John, have you watched Cobra Kai at all? Were you a Karate Kid fan at all? I have seen the, everything but the last two seasons of Cobra Kai. Okay, what did you think of it? Were you interested? Uh, amazing. No, I, I again, it, it, it's uh, it, it, it hit the nostalgia part quite well. It captured the 80s, and they did something with it. They just didn't uh, throw it away. So they they picked up 25, 30 years later. Uh, they're grown up. They have lives. They have families. Um, and a new drama is playing out, and it's it's well put together. And they bring back the other characters smartly, so it's not like they're just cameos or not just one ops. Well, a little shoe, but that's not the point. For the most part, they they develop the characters into the story, and and it's worth watching. It's worth investment. Okay. I just haven't gotten to the last two seasons. All right, yeah, they keep going good. Um, but what you had mentioned, Trevor, was the whole woke casting and diverse casting and all that kind of stuff. And then it's one thing I wanted to mention about the Cobra Kai series is if you look at the cast, it is very diverse and it covers like a whole spectrum of different type of characters, but they don't make that like the character points. That's not the point, you know, like the, um, the new kid who's the bully. It's not like, Oh, they're bullying me because I'm black or it's not, Oh, you don't respect me because I'm a woman or it's none of that. It's like, no, all these characters are humans. And you relate to every single one of them. So even though it's very diverse, it's not playing on those um, sort of like woke casting tropes that you see in so many movies. Like you see this in She-Hulk all the time. You know, it's like, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. It's like, oh my God, there's so many dumb males around. But with Cobra Kai, there's none of that. It's just characters. And it doesn't matter who they are. Like when the, um, was it Sensei Kim comes in, no, it's not like you have to respect me because I'm a woman. It's like, no, you have to respect me because I can kick your ass. And that's it. Like, that's a strong female character. And, you know, that's the way I like this kind of stuff done. So no matter what kind of diversity you want to throw into a show, but don't make that unless it needs to be like, obviously, there's some kind of stories that does become a part of it. But if it's something that's light, something like Karate Kid, something like Cobra Kai, or anything else like if it was a star trek like you don't need to hear that in a star trek uh, or orville or whatever like even though you can add the diversity you can add character elements you can add character insecurities but don't make that the main focal point of the story so anyway i just wanted to say that's what i thought was really good with the whole diversity in cobra kai all right so yeah well but to be fair, though, to be fair, though, in, in most of the modern shows we watch and movies that are produced, uh, decent writing is not the forte. 
it, it, they, they are trying to pander to a wide audience. And for the longest time, minorities and, and, and women rights were sidelined. And now there is a push to, to make that right. And I can't fault them for that. I mean, uh, you know, I, I like to have a diverse uh, cultural representative in any media form. Yeah, I agree um, with that. And, and, and it's just that the, the writing doesn't support what they're trying to do. And, and to and, me, and, it's and, too much checking boxes and not getting to the root of what the story is. Like, like, what is the story you're trying to tell? And it's sort of like one thing we've been saying all along is the show don't tell. A lot of this is just tell. It's just, well, I've said this, so now you have to agree with it. I found that a lot in She-Hulk. There's a lot of telling. But there's not a lot of showing. It's like, oh, my God, all these incompetent males just tell me how to do my job. It's like, well, you do kind of seem incompetent. Like, you're just telling me that you're awesome. Um, how about you show it? And She-Hulk also is, oh, my God, I could be killed like anytime I'm walking down the street. OK, well, show that. If you show that, I'll have some sympathy. But in the case of She-Hulk, she's talking about how she's better than her cousin Bruce, who actually helped to defeat Thanos and has been a rampaging monster for the last 15 years. It's like. Okay, you better show me how your life is more dangerous. In my opinion. <laughs> it, it comes down just to good storytelling, well-crafted media, whether it's book, TV, computer, uh, and smartly done. Uh, to your point, show, don't tell is a lot of that. Uh, and, uh, and there are more stories that are successful for that. There are rare exceptions where that is what you need to get the story started, of course. But uh, I don't know. It, 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 I just find the reason why I stopped watching a lot of the mass media is, is that there isn't a lot to watch. There's not a lot worthy to watch. I stopped watching TV really in the 80s when they had that big strike and, and substitute TV with reality programming. And reality programming is fun to a point. Game shows are fun to a point. But... It's not storytelling. There's no art to it. Uh, no. There are good fake documentaries and fake live TV, and there's great drama there, but not the same way you get in and, and, and like the original Star Wars, for example, or Blade Runner, um, where you know every scene, every word counted for something. Yeah, I don't. Maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Well, that's... we're all getting old, but we're all getting uh, old. But that's, that's right. It's like. <sighs> Reality TV to me was the death knell of writing um, because, you know, they, they let shit happen and it all happens in the editing booth to, to make your, your, your villains and your heroes when they're neither. And to me, watching reality TV, you could feel your brain cells dying. Um, you could actually feel them dying in your head. And I just, I, there is reality TV shows that I do enjoy, like watching alone, where it is a, you know, man against nature. That's the whole story. It's, 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 it's not man against man or anything like that, but it's not something I, I, I couldn't watch alone 24 seven. I like storytelling. I like, and especially I like good storytelling and we're getting less and less of that. So when something like, you know, like Cyberpunk Edge Runners came out, or The Expanse came out, where you have very definitive storytelling. That's what I enjoy. That's the kind of media I, I I like to 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 watch. Unfortunately, 
that stuff's few and far between these days. Well, I learned a lot from Jordan Peterson, like through his lectures, where he was talking about stories. And because a lot of these things we watch, they're make them ups. Like they're not real. It's a made up story. Anything can happen. Right. But there's some stories that are more true than true. It encapsulates an archetype, something that is so overreaching and so powerful that you can overlay that on anything and to me those are the stories that are the best right so it's honest it's encapsulating the archetypes it's showing a whole character journey told in a way like the joseph campbell story arc where anybody can take these stories it doesn't matter if you're flying through space with the lightsaber or whatever else you know you know doing kung fu in the valley like you can take these characters and sort of superimpose your life on them and learn something to, I guess, help yourself go forward in life. And those, to me, are always the most powerful stories. There's something um, I remember back from our Sheridan days, Mark Simon in, in Film Structures mm-hmm. talked about that um, it was a, 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 the lesson was the difference between a story and a happening. And so we had the the idea of, you know, a character who wakes up in the morning, brushes his teeth, combs his hair, has his breakfast, goes to work. You wouldn't make a movie about that because it's there's there's no story there. But on the day where he, you know, wakes up, brushes his teeth, combs his hair, has his breakfast, steps out and like, you know, the buildings in front of him are on fire. Well, that doesn't happen every day. So now we're we're going from happening into a story. But he said what makes the difference between that between being a story and a good story is at the end of the story is, is the character fundamentally different than what he was at the start. If he just then the very next day wakes up, brushes his teeth, combs his hair, has his breakfast and goes to work and nothing else has changed. Then it wasn't really a good story because it didn't change the character in any way. It didn't make that character grow. And for me, that stuck with me. So in all the different projects I've been a part of and all the different things I've watched and read, I always have that question in the back of my mind of, has the character grown from this experience? Have they, is something about them fundamentally different than what they were than when they started? And sadly, I would say about 70% of all the different shows I've watched and whatnot, they're not. They're not different in any way. That the character is identical to when it started, and to me, that's a a bar of then this wasn't a good story. This wasn't a telling story because it didn't change the character. Yeah, there was the Pixar guidelines. I just did a quick Google on it. I think this is the right one. But the Pixar story structure is once upon time. Once upon a time, there was a blank. Fill that in, and every day blank, and then one day blank fill that in and because of that and because of that until finally but it's sort of like exactly what you're saying there trevor it's yeah. like you have your everyday life you know you know once upon a time there's a boy on a moisture farm in a desert and he did that every day okay. until these droids showed up and then and then the whole story goes from there yeah but if at the end of that you know after blowing up the death star luke went back to tatooine and started moisture farming again. Start drinking some blue milk. Yeah. From a walrus. And it's like, well, then the experience didn't change him at all. Right. And, and that's one of the things, the heroic archetype is the idea is that after the journey, you can come back home, but with the boon, like you bring something to your, it's like uh, 
Bilbo in Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, mm-hmm. where after he comes back, you know, he's got the treasure and he's got the ring and you no, know, he's in league with the wizard now. And you no, know, there is something that he brings back that changes everything. It's not just life back to normal. It's like, no, things have changed because of the journey. Yeah, it's um, there was a I can't even remember the name of it now. There was like a very similar to a Western guys like plowing with his ox, whatnot. And he gets called away. And there's like this this big, incredible battle he goes through and he comes back home and, you know, he hooks the ox backs up, back up and he takes two steps and then he stops. And he kind of like lets go of the of the plow and just turns and just starts walking away and realizing he can't do this after what he's seen and what he's done. He can't do this. This isn't who he is anymore. But as I said, unfortunately, about 70% of the stuff I've I've watched, they do exactly that. The, all this crazy shit happens. The character goes right back to where they were and then just carries on like nothing happened. And it's like, oh, how? I mean, if the experience wasn't enough to change them, then was it worth them going through it? So, yeah. And yeah, that, again, call right back to, to Sheridan. That's where, I mean, I think before Sheridan, before that lesson, I hadn't really thought about it that way. But then, you know, especially going back and watching the 80s shows that we we enjoyed as kids and thinking, I was such an idiot watching this. I mean, how did I... There's oh my god, this is terrible. So yeah, that's why we can't resurrect the Dukes of Hazard. Oh, we can. No, we can't. We can bring that back. That's a oh no, podcast, though. no, you can't. No, no, we can't. No, we can't bring it back. I could, I could do it. No, Cobra Kai, the shit of the Dukes of Hazard. No, no, we can't. We can't. No. Uh, here, I'll call up the thing that. Uh, where is it? Where is it? All right, so. I Mike had made this suggestion about, you know, how could we faithfully do the Dukes of Hazard in 2022? And I said, well, I'm going to break this down. So the show's premise was about these brothers who were moonshine runners, because that's what they were. And uh, their uncle is making moonshine. The local mayor is corrupt as hell, Boss Hog, and he has a loyal but dim-witted sheriff, Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane. Um, the deputy is very earnest, but dumb as hell. He's dumber than the sheriff, and that was Enos. Um, the runners, Bo and Luke Duke, um, they have a very smart and beautiful cousin named Daisy who uses her wiles to distract the authorities. Um, the problem is, is all the different adventures the Duke boys, you know, get up to is because of they were running moonshine and they come across something. Um, you know, people are dumping toxic waste. Uh, someone's stealing this or, or doing that. Um, but the problem was, is the moonshining aspect quickly got phased out by the end of the first season. They really rarely, if ever, talked about the fact that Uncle Jesse was was making moonshine and they were using the general lead to run it across state lines sort of thing. But again, you once you take away the element of why the show is taking place, then you just have that whole iteration of every week, it's they're back to what they were doing before. Nothing has changed. You know, yeah, they stop the gun runners, or they stop the toxic waste dumpers, or they they stop the 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 international human trafficking ring, and then went right back to running moonshine again. There's there's no there's no really no effort in the storytelling there. So 
And so, and my point, like the only two options I could think of, because I think this is a fascinating intellectual exercise because it's so loaded with ideas that can trigger this generation. So you'd either have to do a period piece where you just lean into it. It's like, look, it's the General Lee. It has a Confederate flag on it. We are running moonshine. Like, this is what it is. And you don't back away from any of that. Or you do a Cobra Kai on it where it's, you know, the next uh, Duke kids. They're coming up. They're like, you know, Dad, we got to spray paint the top of the car, man. Like, this isn't going to fly. It's like, what? They're like, this is the Confederate flag. It's this like the South. It's like, Dad, you don't understand. We can't do this anymore. You know, there's a way that you could have that conversation for the next generation. I do like all the Trevor stuff with the whole idea of the moonshining and stuff. That has to stay in because that adds that sort of outlaw element. And it's light enough where it can still be fun. Like, we don't have to fully Tony Soprano it or anything. But, you know, it's... And my moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> but it or is a good could... excuse. Or you can make it cor corporate. I mean, after all, they've gone legit. Moonshine's the label. And now that's a great idea. Room. Yeah, like maybe that is the case. Like now they actually have a legit company. And they could have argument over the label having the Confederate flag or not. I mean, there's ways you could do it, I imagine. But is it still then Dukes of Hazard? I mean. But and it's sort of like, is Cobra Kai still the karate kid? It's... Yes, because it, it was about the philosophy of, of, of fighting. It was about standing up. It was the journey of self-discovery. And, and while they're adults, they're still discovering what it means to be a responsible adult, tending to their family, making the tough choices of can they afford not go back to work tomorrow? Do they put their marriage in jeopardy for this? It, it is still karate kid. It's just. 20 plus years later at this point. I, see, yeah. and I agree with that. So even like what you were saying is if they did go corporate, like they were doing an illegal moonshine, now they have an actual brewery, but, you know, the boss hog, whoever the new boss hog is, is still cracking down on them and you know, he's completely corrupt. There's a way to pull it off. I don't know how you would do it exactly, but I think it could be done. And if anybody did that, it would be genius because there's, and especially the idea of the next generation and just having that conversation. Like, what are all the things that were or could have been considered racist or triggering or inconsiderate or whatever in the old series? But have a conversation with that with the new series and try and upgrade it. And it could be really interesting. <laughs> Make the bad guys this time the government looking to uh, bumble the way through the bureaucracy and Propping them with their taxes. You know, it could be done. It could totally be done. No car chases. Yeah. Maybe. But <laughs> I mean, that was the, the, the new general was Tesla. The, yeah. The, the, the Duke boys knew how to get around all the back roads. And man, that that county just constantly had bridges out, like constantly. <laughs> See, that would have to stay in. Every single bridge would still be have to be under construction. Yeah. Now the thing is, is if you're going to do the show, I mean, you're you're going to have to get what uh, John Schneider, Tom Wopat, Catherine Bach, you know, Uncle Jesse's dead. So is Boss Hog. 
Um, so it's how many people from the original show could you pull back? And would they want to come back? That's the the, the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, it would be great if they would show up in it, but you could do like a Mr. Miyagi thing where it's constantly mentioned, constantly referenced. So um, Cobra Kai started with, there was a, there's a band called No More Kings and they did a music video back in 2007 called Sweep the Leg, Leg. Johnny. Sweep the Leg. And they were able to get a lot of the original actors to be in part of this, this music video. Have you seen the video, John? No, I haven't, but I'll, I'll be Googling it after this for sure. It is classic. Yeah. And it was off the force of that video that sparked the idea for the the, the Cobra Kai uh, show creators to see, well, yeah, let's see what happened to these guys, you know, in the modern day, like, you know, from 84 to now. And so that's what gave the 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 drive to start this whole thing. And that's why they started it on YouTube Red for two years and then Netflix bought it. And we're now now we're today. So. For something like this to happen, like, you know, the Dukes of Hazard. I mean, we've we've had that terrible Dukes of Hazard movie with Johnny Knoxville and um, the other guy. I can't think of his name. Um, Sean Scott something anyway um yeah uh i think it's, they, they've had their opportunity and it didn't it didn't pan out so i can't see a, a dukes of hazard reboot coming along anytime soon but you just said it yourself though trevor when they started um cobra kai it was based off of a music video and now a youtube series it wasn't corporate backed it wasn't yeah. corporate built but things is now for them to, you know, YouTube would be less inclined to because because YouTube Red was allowing people to use the YouTube studios and their their um, basically like the, their streaming service to help you generate this content and get it out there. Like Netflix would not take if someone just shows up at Netflix headquarters, headquarters and waves the tape says, I got this. They're not going to show. They're, they're not going to broadcast it. They're not going to. It's like an unsolicited script. They're not going to. They're not going to touch it with a ten foot pole. And Netflix didn't get involved until after the second season of Cobra Kai because it had proven itself. Um. So I don't know if the the structures there to make it easy, as easy as as the guys who did Cobra Kai for season one and two to do it today. And that's when uh, YouTube was shutting everything down as well, right? Like, yeah, once they were shutting down that, yeah, so it's, label. It's, because I mean, I was racking my brains all week of like, what shows from the '80s could do a modern, um, you know, uh, extenuation of that series? I want Knight Rider. Damn it! They've tried Knight Rider how many goddamn times? I know. I want a good one. Damn it! It's not going to happen. As long Man. as Hasselhoff give me the show, alive. I would make it happen. As long as Hasselhoff is alive, it's never going to happen because he's. I know what to do with it. Just on being part of it. Oh, he could be a part of it. He oh. would be. Uh, he'd be the new guy in the chair, the guy in the truck. He'd be the drunken guy with the cheeseburgers. That too, that's fine. Speaking of shows that are are getting rebooted, they are rebooting Babylon Five. I did hear about that. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one. I mean, no? 
Babylon 5 was it's the same it's that spark in the bottle um I don't know if it would hold up today um yeah honestly I, that kind of stuff it's just how it's executed I, that's what it comes down to mm-hmm. yeah I think I mean I think Babylon 5 came out at just the right time to just the right audience. I don't know if it would hold up to today's audience. I don't think the graphics would, but the storytelling certainly <laughs> would. Simply because the storytelling it was it was the one thing that we've all been looking for is a, a build that, that has a payoff towards the end. And this story was structured with five seasons in mind, and each episode, more or less, even the fillers, led towards that end goal. But the problem is... is because of how much it cost to do the graphics back then, they spent more time with the characters and less time with the CG. Because CG is so cheap now, the inevitable push would be, well, let's show more. Let's show more of the CG stuff. We can we can show so much more because it's cheap. It's like showing the shark in Jaws. The more you show the shark, the less scary it becomes. And I think that's why Babylon 5 worked when it did because the graphics were so expensive to make. They had to spend more time with the actors and get those characterization and get that story. I think the problem is if you hand it off to someone today, they're going to be like, oh, well, we could do a space battle. Like a Well, we've seen this in the Orville and they did that well. Like that's one where the characters were strong. The writing was strong. The effects were beautiful. And it all gelled together. So if you pull off something like that, I think it's golden. I think in a couple of times in the Orville, they, they went a little overboard with the effects. I didn't mind because it reminded me of the Star Trek movie. <laughs> it was like, hey, we have a bunch of, we have ILM. Yeah. Let's do the long shots. Yeah, it's just, it's the temptation there is what now that it's cheaper to do, they use it as a giant crutch. And you lose some of that magic just like you know if they if they made jaws today we'd end up like a movie like the shallows where you're seeing that shark constantly or 47 meters down or 40 feet down what the fuck the name of that movie is where you're seeing the sharks constantly because it's easy to do a cg shark these days yeah but then you're 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 assuming that they're just gonna rely on the technology and not have the director and the story and everyone else build the story and 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 a build a cohesive picture that has a, a nice payoff at the end. I mean, yeah, you could do it with special effects. You can make it razzle dazzle and all style, no substance going back to cyberpunk. But the, nice, the, the nice thing color. is that, uh, um, but the thing is that uh, as we become more dependent on the CGI, some of the, the, the effects of, of being invested are lost simply because when something pops or, uh, it doesn't seem conceivable. It ruins the moment. I agree, but the, I don't think it's it's a case of I don't think it's the directors. I don't think it's the actors. I don't even think it's the writers. It's the people sitting in the chairs higher up that demand. Oh, we want more shots of this. And the second you start, you know, making a show by committee like that, it's it's the death knell because they don't care about the story. They don't care about the actors. They don't care about the direction. They want their pretty visuals. So that they can get some some sponsors and and sell some commercials and yeah, I mean that definitely can happen. We've talked about this. That's why Lion King was such a hit. 
It's because everybody was focused on Pocahontas so they could do their own thing. And I think a lot of the great shows are like that, where whoever's show running it, they're running this thing. They have a vision for what they want. And all the other people are kind of staying off to the side. Yeah. It's, you know, you're not getting the notes from the committee. You're creating your own vision. And it's, it's again, also right time, right place. Um, if, yeah, if the Lion King was being made with the same amount of supervision that Pocahontas was being made, it wouldn't be half the film it is. And it wouldn't make made a tenth of the movie, it did, a tenth of the money it did. Um, and that's the problem is like, you know, now with Babylon 5 being a known entity and having such a large fan base, it comes down to will the people in charge know enough to step back and let it happen, let the directors do their job, trusting that, or are they going to insist on meddling, thinking they know better? And that's where, you know, enough meddling, too many cooks, not enough broth, and yeah, it, it ends up with you know, a wasted effort. So yeah, when I heard that, I was like, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> so yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's because like, we see it more and more with all these new shows and new series. You can see where they're like, ooh, now we have, now we can do these effects that are really cheap to do. And and yeah, they, they just get so enamored of what they can do on the computer. They forget that, oh yeah, we're supposed to tell a story along the way. Oops. So yeah that's my two cents they'll fix it in post <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there's only so much you can fix in post these days ah, you can fix everything in post these days except <laughs> maybe the writing yeah and some acting and a little bit of directing but ah, you fix it in post yeah so I think we should probably wrap up yeah I think so too can't do a top 10 Nope. Unless John wants to give us his top eight. Yeah. But no. What are your top eight movies? Oh, off the top of my head, that's not fair. Uh, let's <laughs> say uh, Start at number 10. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Blade Runner would have to be on the list for sure. Um, uh, a Sicario by Dennis Villeneuve. Dune by Dennis Villeneuve. Um, Raiders of Lost Ark. Uh, the Thing. The original, not the original, but the one with uh, Kurt Russell. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, for sure. I watched that with the kids this year. Yeah. They loved it. They were like, Dad, what the hell is going on? It's like, don't worry about it. Just keep watching. Just keep watching awesome. it. It'll explain itself as a ghost. Yeah. No, I have to say that would be my top five easily for uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh do, 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 do. Yeah, that's that's a hard question to do on the fly. I mean, there's so many. Like when Troy said, it, it, it depends on where you are in life, of what was the motivations behind it when you, you saw it, and yep. what did it do for you, right? So, I mean, Blade Runner opened my eyes to storytelling. I mean, there is nothing in that 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 movie that isn't the story. There's there's, there's no way. Okay, I I'll have to say I'm not a fan of the unicorn dream sequence that they put back in, but. Outside of that, uh, the, the the shorter ending, I mean, yeah, no, masterpiece. Um, Alien, Alien for sure. The, the first Alien movie, also a Ridley Scott movie, has to be there because it 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 started a whole thing. And while they couldn't capitalize on it until Cameron came in and did Aliens, and he didn't try to try to, to tell the same story. He tried to do an action film, and, and it was successful. 
Um, I don't have aliens in my top 10, though, but but alien has got to be in there for sure. Uh, uh, oh, the usual suspects. Another great mm-hmm. story driven thing. And the movie lies to you from the get go. Spoiler. Uh, the opening shot <laughs> it was a shot that never happens. So um, and it was the strangest thing. It really was. So, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I can't go in depth as Troy did last week on um, American Wolf in London. And that's a great film. I would have to put that. But now I'm, I'm well past 10. So narrowing it down now would be quite the, the, the thing. And then oh, I'm sure I, I left movies out that were equally important to my life. Or you my could see upbringing. the pain I went through where I at one point had like well over 70 movies on the list and then had to start shifting them around to see who got in the top 10 and who didn't. You could easily get a huge list. Yeah, I had a bit of a cheat because I've been keeping track of this just as fun for decades. So I kind of had my list loaded. Yeah, cheater. Yeah, yeah no. So, 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 to be fair though, I mean, uh, the whole reason I got into role playing games, uh, animation, drawing, and I stayed with role playing games. And I never really ventured into writing. Maybe I should. Is the art of storytelling, uh, the craft, um, and. Uh, and cyberpunk was one of the few games back in, in, in the 80s that brought in a new element that wasn't in many games that I had experienced prior to that uh, was the life path. Having a character that got developed uh, before the, the game even started. And yeah, you could alter it from the ones you randomly roll, but uh, no one else at that time told you how you could, you could have a look, a style, a chic um a relationship i mean you could do that if you were inclined to think of it that as a character and story but i didn't see that when i was that young so having a game bring those elements and then it just all clicked you know and and then you know keeping an open mind with these games to to have great people uh partake in it so that it's a joint story and it's always been about the story so any movie that has a, a really strong story catches my eye uh, and and there are the few ones that are, are uh, ones that I remember the best. I like that answer. Yeah, that's one thing I did learn from the whole role playing experience is that collaborative storytelling and making things up on the fly, and that's something that stuck with me. That just a group of people can sit around a table and just like do it live. You know, you're rolling dice, you're coming up with things, you're reacting on the fly. And you get something great out of it. And I've never been a part of a like a story team to write anything. Like I've always just been in the animation department. But I'd like to think that if you did have a story team together, it would essentially be that you'd be just kind of you know making it up on the fly, role playing, throwing out ideas, and you know things come up and things happen, and everybody riffing on each other's idea. Because I think that's how you get something great. Yeah, joint effort. Mm-hmm. Have to so should we wrap this one up all right let's wrap it i first i want to say thank you to john you have made this this episode far better than just mike and i would have done i mean we uh, do pretty good i mean you guys don't... do well look your, your breakdown of cobra kai was something i, I avoided like the plague <laughs> but you seem to have a good handle on it and uh you you're passionate about it so you know you did well but what he's trying to say is we did weller with you. Yes. Much Fair weller. Enough. Much weller than, than than without you. 
All right. So this wraps up episode 54 for those. We have to do a collective goodbye. We'll see if John screws this up. All right, John, we're counting on you. Collective goodbye in three, two, one. Have a good day. Damn it. (laughs) What? 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 All right. No, that's a perfect end. Off script. Off script. Okay. Fix the post. Fix the post. Yeah, fix it. Detroit fix it. Has a Detroit cameo and... It'll uh, just be a Troy face pump. Yeah. <laughs> good night, folks. Good night, folks. Have a good one. Thanks for the invite. Good yeah, talking well. to you guys again. This has been Geeking Off the Page, a Planet Geek production. Please be sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can find us at our social medias through Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Search for Planet Geek Productions. On Instagram and Twitter, Planet Geek Pod. Or you can send us an email at planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until next bad time, same spider channel, may the force be with you, and thanks for tuning in.